just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. We're headed into yet another weekend. It's been a busy week. A lot of stuff going on. Even though there have been no hearings in the past week, still a lot of shit happening. And we expect there'll be more of that happening next week. We're not scheduled to see another hearing till um, September, or so they're saying. But there's a lot of uh, evidence and witnesses coming out, so that could change. We'll see what happens with that, and we'll talk about that later. Now, I do have some good news. I've got a couple of emails today, so that's good. But I've got uh, Ed and at least two listeners lined up to record for the podcast. So over the next few days, we'll be mixing it up a little bit. We'll be bringing in some listeners and, of course, Ed. So I thought you'd be excited to hear that. Let's get to the emails right away. Uh, first one is from Gordy. He says, good morning, dude. I wanted to mention I loved your guest host. Everyone has been great and very thoughtful. My question is, number one, is the RNC still paying frumpy, dumb Trump's legal bills? Yes, they are. <clears throat> and why they are, God only knows. Uh, they've paid up to about $2 million. But there's been a change to this whole situation that you need to know about. The RNC has informed Donald Trump that if he announces that he's running for president, they will stop paying his legal bills. Now, the reason for this is, is because there's a lot of Republican candidates, probably multiple Republican candidates looking at the presidency in 2024, like Ron DeSantis and some others. Uh, so they can't just focus on Donald Trump, give him legal money and not everybody else. So if he announces he's running for president and becomes an actual candidate, they will take those uh, subsidies away from him. And again, for the life of me, I don't know why he is getting this legal help. It makes no sense. Um, I mean, Donald Trump will be in a quandary here because he wants to announce that he's running for president because he thinks it'll help him or protect him with these investigations and possible indictments. That's not true. It's not going to help him. But uh, he doesn't have much hope to grab onto, so he'll grab anything. But he also likes money, and he probably doesn't have nearly as much money as he normally was thought to have. So it's going to be a tough choice for him. I think ultimately the Republicans don't want him to announce uh, that he's running for the presidency, certainly not before the midterms, because that will turn the midterms in a referendum against Donald Trump. That's what lost him 2020. They don't want a repeat of it in 2022. That said, they got other problems. Donald Trump may be the least of their problems during the midterms with overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, suppressing vote for people of color, the things they've done with the LGBTQ folks. 
they got a lot of trouble. And I think whatever Donald Trump has got planned is going to be the least of their problems. He goes on to say, I believe I heard this and am wondering if that is true. It is true, but it may be going away. Does this include representing the dipshits testifying before the January 6th committee because they work for him or are we, the middle class, paying for the representation through our taxes? Well, that's an interesting comment, uh, Gordy. We have understood that the Republicans or the Trump administration have been paying the legal fees of some of the witnesses, which is troubling because now they're beholden to Donald Trump and uh, they might be less forthcoming when they're testifying. That said, they can't really lie because they would suffer with perjury charges should they be caught. Uh, But a lot of these folks are dropping the RNC or Donald Trump's representation and getting their own. I think they're realizing that they're in enough trouble as it is right now, and to be forced to continue the big lie might be a problem. So, yes, some are being paid for by the RNC or Donald Trump's groups and PACs and such, but uh, many of them are dropping that just so they can finally fucking tell the truth. He goes on to say, just curious if the RNC is helping with the orange piece of shit legal fees. How much longer before they cut him off as he is losing his grip on it? Thanks for all your social media stuff. And of course, your podcast, it's great. And in closing, I will say, fuck around and find out. Go democracy. Have a great day, Gordy. Well, thank you, Gordy. I appreciate that. And yes, they are paying for Donald Trump. They've spent up to $2 million right now. And i got to be honest, Donald Trump has a lot of legal fees these days. He's being sued by just about everybody. He's being investigated by everybody fucking else. Um, Donald Trump's going to be burdened with a lot of legal fees. I don't even know if the RNC will continue after it gets to a certain point. But they're trying to shut him down and not... Uh, announced that he's running for president. Uh, I, I think the Demo- or the Republicans just don't want to see that. They don't see him as the candidate in 2024. They don't want to lock this down now. There's too much shit going on and too many things being exposed. He may be indicted. The Republicans don't want to um, take ownership of Donald Trump if shit's going to fall apart between now and 2024. And I can guarantee you it is. All right. The next email comes from a gentleman I just call A. I don't think he wants his name out there. He says, Hi, Mike. Why don't we somehow get rid of the Electoral College, an outdated election practice, and go to where the most votes wins, like many other countries? Your thoughts? Well, the Electoral College is an outdated situation. In fact, I don't know that it was ever any good at all. The Republicans will stand strong with the Electoral College mainly because they don't have as many uh, voters as the Democrats do. They're, They're losing ground every day. And the Electoral College is the only hope that they have to win elections or presidential elections anyway. So the Republicans are going to fight against this, and the Democrats are going to fight for getting rid of the Electoral College. Why don't they get rid of it? Because they haven't been able to, with the Republicans pushing back and it requiring um, um, a supermajority in the Senate. Now, that said, 
If in the midterms the Democrats win big in the House, win big in the Senate, that is definitely something that could be gotten rid of. To be perfectly honest, um, I think it's likely that they would get rid of it. The Electoral College has been nothing but trouble. Donald Trump used it to cause confusion and chaos, and uh, it does no good. The fact is that Donald Trump lost by 7 million votes in 2020. He lost by 3 million votes in 2016. Yet in 2016, he still somehow won the Electoral College. Um, It is outdated. I don't know that it was ever good or valuable to this country. And uh, we do need to get rid of it, ASAP. But we are not going to be able to do that until the Democrats have more power in the House than the Senate. When that happens, and I believe it will during the midterms, you can probably see that uh, they will get rid of the Electoral College, which would be a wonderful thing for this country. It would take a lot of confusion and a lot of uncertainty out of it and take away a lot of potential for chaos by the Republican Party. Now, one of the other things that could change come um, after the midterms, assuming the Democrats get more power in the Senate and the House, is the filibuster could be canceled. But here's what you need to understand about the filibuster. It's not just the Republicans that like the filibuster. The Democrats like the filibuster, too, when they're in the opposite situation that they are in now. The minority always has a chance to shut things down. And when the Republicans are in the majority and the Democrats are in the minority, they use that filibuster just as much as the Republicans do. Maybe not quite as much and maybe not quite as aggressively as the Republicans do, but they do use it. They want to shut down the majority so we aren't stuck with certain things. Now, the greatest fear about this is that once they get rid of the filibuster, then whatever party that's in power will just run roughshod and pass a bunch of stuff. And certainly that is possible. But theoretically, if they pass a bunch of stuff and then you are able to get them voted out and you come in, uh, meaning the Democrats, then you can vote that stuff out and put new stuff in. So, It's probably not the best of situations. We might get a lot of ping-ponging, depending on how the power control goes. Or the the minority party will be freaked out about being stuck with some things that they wanted to shut down. But let's be honest. The filibuster doesn't do the people of this country any good. It helps to save face for whichever party is in the minority. But nothing gets done for the middle class. I'd rather have something done, anything done, even if it's not something I like, than nothing getting done. Because that's what we've seen for decades and decades and decades. This is why the Build Back Better bill was going to be transformational when it came in. Nothing like it in 80 years, and that seems troubling to me. We have a body in the House and a body in the Senate that's particular job is to take care of the middle class. And to find out that in 80 years they have done nothing, that's a red flag for me. That tells me there there is a problem. So if the Democrats can get the majority in the House and Senate, a bigger majority than they have now, 
we'll probably see the Electoral College go and maybe the filibuster. But those Democrats are going to be thinking ahead of when the Republicans might get in power. And then when that happens, they will love the filibuster. The only people that don't really like the filibuster all the time is we the people. Because we the people are the ones that suffer the consequences or lack of activity uh, when it's being used. So... We'll see what happens with that. It's kind of like the situation where people want term limits. That's great. That sounds like a good idea. But since the Congress has to decide whether there are term limits or not, it seems unlikely that that will ever happen. So I'm curious as to what's going to happen with the filibuster. The Democrats want it gone right now. But will they want it gone if the Republicans are in power? I don't think so. Well, the January 6th committee, is we thought, was on vacation until September when the hearings start up. But we're hearing there are some more representative or or witnesses stepping up uh, that were close to Donald Trump, which, you know, of course, tells us that Donald Trump is more of a target in this situation. But people coming up are Steve Mnuchin, Mike Mulvaney, And Mike Pompeo will be testifying in front of the January 6th committee at some point in the not-too-distant future. Now, these people, it looks like they're going to volunteer to testify. I mean, they see what's going on, and they know that they better start talking. Otherwise, they're going to go over the cliff with Donald Trump and all the rest of the trump So we'll see what happens. But it's good to know that the January 6th committee, in spite of the fact they're technically on vacation, are still pushing through and and still trying to get things done, deposing witnesses and gathering evidence. They've got a lot of momentum with the January 6th committee. It's exposing a lot of stuff, and this is not playing well for the Republicans and certainly not Donald Trump, and Donald Trump's all upset about that. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a moment. We've heard about the Secret Service and the problem with the text messages being lost. And they just happen to be those text messages that were sent on the 5th and 6th of January. Well, how convenient. That is a little fishy. And they're investigating that now and we'll see what happens with it. But now we're also hearing the text messages to former President Donald Trump's acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf and Acting Deputy Secretary of State Ken Cuccinelli have uh, disappeared for a key period leading up to the January 6th attack on the Capitol, according to four people briefed on the matter and uh, internal emails. Well, isn't that just amazing? Apparently the fucking dog ate it. I don't think these people understand how much trouble they're going to be into. If you're all of a sudden losing these key text messages, that's a red flag. That suggests you're guilty of something. And the thing about it is, is, you know, with technology the way it is today, they're going to get those text messages. And the fact that they wanted them hidden is troubling. And it tells me that when they finally do get hold of those text messages, that it's going to be pretty damning. They wouldn't want to hide them as much as they're doing now with the Secret Service and the Department of Homeland Security. 
if there wasn't a problem with them. The likelihood of both the Secret Service and the the, uh, Homeland Security Department and the Secretary of State's office losing text, just whoops, yeah, that's unlikely. There's a problem there, and uh, you can bet that's going to be dug out, and we'll know what those texts said. Now, this discovery of the missing records of senior Homeland Security officials, which has not been previously reported, increases the volume of potential evidence that has vanished regarding around the time of, of, of the January 6th insurrection. Now, it comes as congressional investigators and criminal investigators at the Department of Justice are seeking to unite the efforts of the president and his allies to nullify the election results, which culminated in a pro-Trump rally that turned into a violent insurrection, of course. The Department of Homeland Security told the agency's inspector general in late February that Wolf's and Cuccinelli's texts were lost in resetting. Now, we've heard that before. Their government phones when they were left when they left their jobs in 2021 in preparation for the new Biden administration, according to an internal record obtained by the government oversight project and shared with the Washington Post. It also told the Office of the Undersecretary of Administration for Governmental Oversight the text messages of its chief. Undersecretary Randolph Tex Alice, a former Secret Service director, were also no longer available due to a pre-planned phone test. I have to believe there have been these phone changeovers before. The troubling thing about this whole situation is that they were specifically asked to retain those text messages. They were asked to retain those text messages. And okay, if you're resetting the phone system, that's one thing. But don't you take extra precautions to make sure those texts are preserved, especially when the January 6th Select Committee has asked you to do so, and they've asked you to do so on at least three to four occasions, and the first couple of times you denied it, you didn't think it was necessary, But then you soon found out that was not your call and that, in fact, you did have to provide them. So instead of just doing what you're supposed to be doing, you decide that uh, they're going to go missing. I don't know. Do you think if you wipe your phone that all that information is lost? The phone companies have all this situation, all these text messages. The January 6th committee will get them. All you did is make it more difficult for them to obtain these text messages. But clearly, when it comes to the Secret Service and uh, Department of Homeland Security, there are some issues with these uh, text messages. Some reason you don't want the January 6th committee to see them. I think we can already admit that the Secret Service was corrupted during the Trump administration. There was just too much shit going on when Donald Trump was in office. And clearly the Department of Homeland Security has its own issues. These people are pretty high-level government officials. I find it hard to imagine 
that they think they can get away with just wiping a phone and say, whoops, we don't have them anymore, or the dog ate them, or whatever the fuck. They should know better than this. They have technology folks on their staff that can tell them, yeah, but they'll still get it. This, to me, strikes as desperation. They're willing to do anything just to save their ass. I don't even think it's at a point where they're trying to protect Donald Trump anymore. He's gone. He has no power. His power is slipping away. Right now, they know that they were involved in some communications that would implicate them in the January 6th insurrection. Uh, Either implicate them or show that they did nothing. We know that Donald Trump did nothing. We know that the Secret Service was there and they did some things and they were even fearful for their own lives. The Department of Homeland Security, we don't know much about. But it's very telling that they too have text messages that are missing. This is really embarrassing for the government. This kind of thing should not ever happen. But now it's happened twice. And don't be surprised if someone else tells us, oh, I don't have the text messages either. And uh, they use this um, resetting of these phones as an excuse. Sorry, that's not an excuse. What you should be doing if you care is be going to the phone companies directly and find out how you can get those texts, because I'm sure you can. You should be doing that work for the J6 committee to show that you're honest and straightforward. But instead, you try to hide. You try to delay, just like the Republicans typically do. And that's troubling. It's a troubling thing that in our country, in this day and age, we have people using childish strategies to avoid punishment. I really think there's going to be some serious changes with the Secret Service and maybe Department of Homeland Security. Because here's what you have to understand. Even if Donald Trump's directors are pulled out of there, There still are a number of people in each organization that were there under the Trump administration. And it's conceivable that some of these people were involved in trying to overthrow the government, or at least assist those folks that were trying to do that. And clearly they're pretty nervous about this. Donald Trump must be nervous too because these communications went to uh, uh, Mark Meadows And Mark Meadows was communicating with Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump's smart. He doesn't do text. He doesn't do emails. He has no printed trail of evidence. But it's conceivable to think that if Mark Meadows is getting these texts, Donald Trump is hearing about it. That is Mark Meadows' job. And so it'll be very interesting to find out when they get hold of these texts. Uh, No doubt we will hear about it at some point within the upcoming hearings. We'll see them up on the whiteboard and it'll say whatever was said uh, between these people. And it's going to be a bombshell. I mean, I've told you that before with the hearings. Every hearing is going to be another bigger 
different bombshell. They've set this up to do just that. They were only going to go with eight hearings in June. We're now in July. We've got eight hearings, and now they're telling us that there will be more in September. And we have no indication as to how many more there will be. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were another eight. There's a lot of bombshells. There's a lot of evidence that can be revealed. And you can bet the Democrats are going to do it and ride it up as close to the midterms as possible. When it's all said and done, the J6 committee will do a final presentation of all they found and all the implications of what they found. So, I think the Secret Service and Department of Homeland Security are kidding themselves if they think they can actually hide these texts from the J6 committee. I doubt that's going to be the case. And it'll be entertaining as fuck watching this shit. Watching the Republican Party get dismantled bit by bit. And that, that's essentially what the uh, J6 committee is doing right now. There are a lot of people on the Republican side that are of a reasonable mind that are hearing this, maybe for the first time. And they're going to be hearing it as told by Republicans who were close to Donald Trump. So it's hard to deny those things when it's coming from your own people. So the Secret Service lost texts on the 5th and 6th of January. Department of Homeland Security has lost texts leading up to the January 6th hearing. It all sounds very fishy. But trust, the January 6th committee will get to the bottom of this, and we will find out what is in those texts. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, we're starting to see the desperation in Donald Trump. We're smelling and seeing the flop sweat from Donald Trump and those people around him. They're getting desperate at this point. And lawyers for former President Donald Trump formally asked a judge on Wednesday to grant him absolute immunity from civil lawsuits related to his role in the January 6th attack. Where have we heard that before? Absolute immunity. Donald Trump claimed he had it, and when he was president, he could almost say he did have it, but he's no longer president. He hasn't won a court case in how many fucking years? And he is not above the law. As Merrick Garland and others have said, no one is above the law. And I always say there's an asterisk next to that because clearly, if you're a sitting president, you are above the law. Donald Trump proved that in no uncertain terms. However, Donald Trump is no longer the president and he's perfectly capable of being indicted and held accountable for his crimes. Now, this shows Trump and his inner circle realized that his plot to unlawfully stay in office after losing the 2020 election and the violence it precipitated put him in a dangerous legal position. Yeah, you think? And as, uh, as was written in June, Revelations, the House uh, January 6th committee unearthed about Trump's consciousness of guilt has only strengthened the civil cases against him. Yeah, there's going to be lawsuits against Donald Trump for what happened on January 6th over and above the criminal aspects of it. And he's got tons of lawsuits already, lawsuits that can pretty much end him financially. 
Now, the U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta ruled in February that Trump could be held civilly liable for the January 6th attack because his pre-riot speech at the Ellipse included several calls to action. But lawyers for Trump filed an appeal Wednesday arguing the court erred when it held that the President Trump's speech on matters of public concern was not within the scope of his absolute presidential immunity. There is no absolute immunity for anyone in this country. Now, remarkably, Trump's legal team went on to claim Trump was acting well within the scope of ordinary presidential action on January 6th when he engaged in open discussions and debate about the integrity of the 2020 election. That's an interesting way to say stoked and attempted coup. Here's what's interesting about this. Remember when Steve Bannon was going to court and the judge told him, don't even talk about this uh, stolen election, election fraud bullshit. That's already been established. That's not true. So I would have to think that the judge in this case would stick with that premise when it talks about uh, Donald Trump discussing the uh, stop the steal or the big lie. Now, Trump's lawyers also argued that examining his tweets and speeches baselessly alleging election fraud would amount to an intrusion on the executive. Oh, they're reaching on this one, aren't they? It's not going to work. It's a desperate argument and one Meta already dispensed with in his February ruling. Meta's already said that's bullshit. But they're trying again because, again, they are fucking desperate at this point. Now, along with saying Trump stoked the mob during the ellipse speech, Maida said Trump's repeated use of the word we, as in we're going to walk down to Pennsylvania Avenue, implied he and the armed rally goers he sent to the Capitol were working toward a common goal. That is the essence of a civil conspiracy, Maida wrote in his February decision. But yet now they're giving it yet another shot, like Maida's going to change his mind and... Well, he's not. Believing Trump's argument requires us to believe that his false claims of election fraud were sacrosanct, even as we continue to hear testimony that he knew these claims were false. And it requires us to believe that the pro-Trump violence, which he literally stoked with calls to fight like hell, was somehow unrelated to him. There's no chance of that. There are already multiple civil cases against Trump stemming from the events that unfolded on January 6th. Those include a lawsuit filed by the NAACP and several Democratic lawmakers who were in the Capitol as rioters broke in. Multiple Capitol and Metro police officers have also filed civil suits against Trump over the riot. Like I said, everybody and his brother is suing Donald Trump at this point. And it's not just about January 6th. It's about the alleged rape with E. Jean Carroll. It's about um, lawsuits in Georgia, lawsuits regarding his business practices in New York. He's got all kinds of legal problems hanging over his head. That's why I'm thinking he might hold off announcing he's running for president because he needs that money to pay for those legal fees. They are substantial, and he doesn't like coming out of his pocket. He's burned too many bridges with lawyers as late, and he's already got one other bigger problem. 
when he goes up against the DOJ, he's going to be going up against some seriously talented lawyers. Donald Trump has put himself in a situation where the lawyers he has are half-assed. And if you don't believe me, consider Sidney Powell. That crazy bitch. She was a lawyer of his. Then there's um, uh, John Ken- uh, not John Kennedy. Um, uh, what the hell is his name? Um, the lawyer that that essentially uh, was the architect of the of the coup. Now these guys are supposed to be the lawyers to the president, and they're absolutely fucking nuts. And the people he has now are the lowest of the low because those are the only people that are still willing to work with him. So when he does go up against Merrick Garland, it is going to be a massacre because these people aren't even on the same level with the lawyers in the DOJ. And testimony from victims who say they experienced harassment by pro-Trump mobs on and before January 6th, like the Georgia election workers. Remember, we talked about them. Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shane Moss, suggest they have grounds to file civil lawsuits as well. Now, we know those two women are still going through hell because they're still dealing with death threats because of what Donald Trump did. The January 6th committee continues to pile evidence of Trump's culpability in a violent anti-democratic scheme, all the while the Justice Department's criminal investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election is examining Trump's actions and could prove useful for civil cases against him as well. The fact uh, Team Trump is working so hard to have these cases thrown out proves they're very afraid the rulings won't go in their favor. And that's all for good reason. He's not going to do well in that situation. He's going to lose. And this is pretty much what I've been saying all along. All this stuff will be hanging over his head. And then at one point, all of it will cave in on him. He will be unable to do anything to get out from underneath it. And that that guy, Donald Trump, will be fucking flailing. We have to be prepared for that because God knows what he's willing to do if he believes he has no way out and nothing to lose. Now, the news that Democrats who control the Senate appear to have reached a deal on the climate, health care, and tax package is sending the Republicans into hysteria, at least for now. Now, you know the story. Um, Schumer and Manchin came to some agreement on these issues. These are all part of the Build Back Better deal, not the whole Build Back Better deal, but part of it, important parts with regards to health care and climate change. It's interesting. Not one Republican voted for this. And it seems like they, 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 they try to cut a deal. And... Um, it looks like Manchin and the Democrats kind of uh, trick the Republicans, and they aren't happy about it at all. If the initial reaction is any indicator, top Republicans are heartbroken that conservative Democrats, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, often one of their allies, is in on it. <laughs> Late Wednesday afternoon, Manchin and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York announced they reached a deal on a bill they're calling the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. 
It was a surprise announcement given Manchin reportedly balked at climate and tax provisions in the bills just two weeks ago, ostensibly dooming its passage before the midterms this fall. But he's changed his mind. And the question is, why has he changed his mind? And I have a theory about this. Joe Manchin sees what's going to happen in the Senate. The margin for the Democrats is going to get bigger, and Joe Manchin's power will go away. He will be inconsequential, which I've always said is should be the goal here. Take away the power from Joe Manchin. People keep saying, we want him voted out. No, we don't. We don't want him voted out because the only person that will replace him is some crazy-ass Republican. Joe Manchin doesn't work with the Democrats like he should, but he's better than a flat-out Republican. So let him stay there. Just take away all his power so he doesn't get to do the shit he's done. And the question is, why is he doing this? And to be perfectly honest, because he knows his power is going to be taken away in the midterms, he needs to make... uh, Make nice with the Democrats. They hate him now because he's done everything he can to stop everything Joe Biden's wanted to do. But now he's got to make nice with them if he wants to get anything done once his power is stripped away from him. So he's trying to rehabilitate his image with the Democrats. And I'll be perfectly honest with you on this. I won't forget. You won't forget about all the bullshit he did. And let's hope against hope that the Democrats... In the Senate, don't forget. Now, in an evenly divided Senate with unified GOP obstruction, conservative Democrats like Manchin and Senator Christian Sinema of Arizona have imposed their will on policymaking. We know this and we hate them for it, knowing their votes would be needed for Democrats to pass anything under a process known as reconciliation. But according to a joint statement from Manchin and Schumer, their bill does include some progressive priorities, namely helping stem inflation with tax increases for wealthy Americans and corporations, authorizing billions of dollars for climate measures, and allowing Medicare to negotiate some drug prices. The GOP is apoplectic. They are angry about this. Now, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell was among the first to push the rote GOP argument that rich people having a little less money will somehow kill many thousands of American jobs. Just hours before sending that tweet, the Kentucky Republican voted in favor of a bill boosting semiconductor production in the U.S., a bill he vowed to block if Democrats passed a spending bill without GOP approval. You see, that's what happened here. The semiconductor thing is something that needed to be passed. We needed to be able to make the um, semiconductors here in this country. This is one of the reasons we have automobiles sitting on lots without a computer to run them, because we count on um, overseas countries to provide us these things. And for whatever reason, it's becoming harder to get. So we have a lot of cars that don't have computers, which means they can't be sold, which obviously affects our economy. Now, the Republicans said, we will vote on that if you don't uh, pass any spending bill without our okay. Well, motherfuckers, you're in the minority. Who gives a fuck what you think? So they thought they had this deal. So they passed the semiconductor bill, and within 
Hours after that happens, Schumer and Manchin announce, well, we come up with a deal on the spending deal. We've got a spending bill. Now the Republicans feel like they've been tricked, which I find funny because that's all they fucking do to the Democrats. They're constantly tricking them or scamming them. So they just got beat at their own fucking game is all that really happened. Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas, won the award for the most dramatic response, referring to the bill as a double cross by Manchin and the longest suicide note in the history of West Virginia. A double cross by Manchin. Manchin is a fucking Democrat, Tommy. He urged Republicans in the House not to vote for the semiconductor bill. So it passed in the Senate. Now it's going to the House. Now, of course, the House has the majority as well, and they don't have to deal with the um, supermajority there at all. So now the Republicans are all butthurt, and they're saying, all you representatives in the House, don't vote for it. It won't matter because the Democrats have the majority. But one guy even said, even if you love this bill, don't vote for it. Because it's not about what's good for the people. It's not about what's good for this country. It's about what is best for the Republican Party. And that's where the bullshit starts. Now, he urged Republicans in the House not to vote for the semiconductor bill. But Democrats are in the House majority, won't need Republican support, assuming virtually all Democrat members back the bill. And I I think we can probably count on that. Within hours of Manchin's announcement, there were signs House Republicans were coalescing around a plan to vote against the semiconductor bill in protest of Schumer and Manchin's deal. House Majority or Minority Whip Steve Scalise, a Republican from Louisiana, sent a memo. This goes back to what I said. Wednesday night, urging members of his party to vote against the bill, according to the publication The Hill. Representative Kevin Hearn, Republican of Oklahoma, was clear about his hopes for fellow members. Even if you love this bill, vote against it. You see, that's who the Republicans are. This semiconductor bill is crucial for this country. It allows this country to make products that we need for our electronics and for our vehicles. It makes this country stronger, less dependent on foreign countries. This is something the Republicans should be all in for. This is something they always talk about. But because they felt like they got burned, they were willing to sacrifice what's best for this country just to show their strength against the Democrats. And therein lies the problem. They're more concerned about themselves than they are this country. Once you understand that, that should be enough for you to not vote for a fucking Republican. All right, on Thursday, Senator John Kennedy, a Republican of Louisiana, appeared on Fox News to fume about the deal announced with the previous night between the Democratic leadership and Senator Joe Manchin. Oh, they are pissed about this, and I love it. Reviving reviving a large reconciliation bill that would fund health care, energy, and reduce the deficit. He goes on to say they sucked Republican votes up like a Hoover Deluxe and then 
got their votes, and then BAM announced the new tax increase, said Kennedy. We look like a bunch of, well, I'm not going to say it, but what we look like. Yes, there is a tax increase in this bill, but only for the rich, not for the middle class. But apparently this is of concern to the Republicans. They somehow feel the rich are paying too much tax. But as we know, most of them aren't paying any tax. See, there's the problem. They throw out, oh, there's going to be a tax increase, and all the little trumple fucks will think, oh, my check from working at uh, whatever fast food place is going to have more taken out of it so we can do this bill. No, it's not. It's for the rich, and that's where it should be coming from because we're not getting enough from them. At issue is the announcement of a deal came immediately after the Republicans had cast their votes for the CHIPS Act, a bill that would fund the creation of semiconductors in the United States to reduce dependence on China for electronics. You would think the Republicans would love that, and they probably do, but they won't vote for it because uh, the Democrats made them look bad. And I love this because this is exactly what the Republicans do to the Democrats over and over again. And turnabout is fair play. And I love to see the fact that the Democrats had the wherewithal to shove it back in their face. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell had previously warned that if the reconciliation bill works, again, they would block the CHIPS bill. Well, they didn't get a chance, and they're mad about it. And I love that. i got to be honest with you. I love it. And um, so... We'll see what happens with the semiconductor bill, but the Republicans won't be able to do anything to stop it. So that even pisses them off more. Now, here's an interesting story. Republicans in Ohio are worried 10-term rep Tim Ryan may help Democrats pick up the U.S. Senate seat being vacated by retiring GOP Senator Rob Portman according to a new report by NBC News. Henry Gomez reported on the once largely unimaginable scenario under the headline, Tim Ryan's GOP-friendly campaign unsettles Republicans in Ohio. The Democrat is airing ads on Fox News talking incessantly about China and promising to put Americans first. In a state where former President Donald Trump won by healthy margins, his Republican opponent, hillbilly elegy author J.D. Vance, has Trump's now he has Trump's endorsement, but is facing criticism that he's coasting while Ryan outraises, outspends, and outworks him, Gomez reported. Although Independent polling has been scarce. Some local GOP leaders believe the general election is too close for comfort and have had trouble concealing their frustrations. Apparently, J.D. Vance doesn't know how to run a campaign. And he's lazy as fucked. (laughs) See, this is what I mean. The crazier the Republican candidates are, the stupider the Republican candidates are, the better. Republicans have worried about Vance's worth ethic, with a prominent Cincinnati conservative talk radio host saying, the Republican faithful are telling me they can't find J.D. Vance with a search warrant. Gomez, who has covered Ryan since he was uh, state se- in the state Senate over 20 years ago, described the Democrats' campaign as presenting himself as a post-partisan populist. 
A lot of people just know shit is broken, Ryan told NBC News. We're all mad at each other. The pandemic sucked. Economic collapse. We're all pissed off. So who's going to be the one who steps up and says, okay, lay down your arms. Let's figure it out. Let's talk. Vance has noted the impact of Ryan's campaign message. I actually spoke to a donor yesterday who told me that he thought Tim Ryan was running in the Republican primary, Vance said in a telephone interview. And he was confused because he thought the Republican primary was over. Well, let me tell you something about Tim Ryan. I've seen him perform in the House of Representatives. He's a smart guy. He's a good communicator. And he has a good message. J.D. Vance doesn't know what he's fucking doing in this campaign, and there's an excellent chance that Tim Ryan will beat him. Can you imagine the plus it will give the Democrats if there is a Democratic senator from Ohio? And that's a real possibility at this point because they've got amateur hour with J.D. Vance, and it's not working very well. After a bruising GOP primary, Vance's campaign reported that at the end of June, it had 629000 in the bank, but owed 883000 Ryan's campaign reported zero debt and a war chest of over $3.5 million. So Ryan's got all kinds of money. Vance has just a lot of debt. One local GOP operative told NBC News that Vance's campaign is burning bridges faster than they can build them. Meanwhile, Ryan has been mocking Vance for his negative press attention he's received. Tim Ryan is a smart guy. He's a um, good candidate, too. So we're hoping against hope that Tim Ryan will beat J.D. Vance because he's such a shitty candidate and bring us a Democratic senator from Ohio. That would be awesome. Now, former President Trump defended the Saudi-backed LIV golf tournament plan for his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, against calls from families of 9-11 terror attack victims to back out. You know, it's interesting. Donald Trump was decrying some of the evidence that's come out from the January 6th committee and the DOJ. But as he wrapped up his comments, he couldn't help himself but promote this upcoming golf tournament, this LIV golf tournament, essentially backed by the Saudi Arabians. There's a lot of controversy with this group with comparison to the PGA. Some of these people have jumped ship with the PGA gone to LIV because they had guaranteed money, big money. And, of course, the Saudi Arabians have plenty of money. Some question whether those folks can come back to the PGA if they decide to. Uh, Legally, they should be able to, but the PGA says they're going to try to keep them out. With all this going on with this new golf tournament, Donald Trump said this. Nobody's gotten to the bottom of 9-11, unfortunately. Really? Didn't we get Osama bin Laden? I mean, we first thought it was the Iraqis, but here's the ironic thing, Donnie. The vast majority of the pilots that uh, flew into the buildings here in this country, oddly enough, were Saudi Arabian. Yet Saudi Arabian 
of Saudi Arabia has not been considered as a possible enemy. I don't get that. But you know Donnie's all buddies with the Saudi Arabians because he's pretty much tapped out of the money that the Russians are going to give him. So he's getting money from the Saudi Arabians. Remember, uh, Jared Kushner uh, got handed $2 billion to manage for the Saudis. And I'll guarantee you, much of that $2 billion is going to go in Donald Trump's pocket, and that money will never be returned. Donald Trump went on to say, after suggesting nobody's gotten to the bottom of 9-11, they should have. As to the maniacs that did that horrible thing to our city, to our country, to the world. So nobody's really been there. But I can tell you that there are a lot of really great people that are out here today. And we're going to have a lot of fun and we're going to celebrate. Well, Donnie, I would celebrate when you can because uh, over the next uh, several months, they ain't going to be much to celebrate. You are going to be losing your shit. Families of victims who died in the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack condemned Trump for hosting the tournament slated for this weekend at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster due to Saudi ties to the attack's plotters. The tournament will take place about an hour's drive from ground zero. It's just amazing what Donald Trump will do for fucking money. This last thing I wanted to talk about um, is very important. You're seeing a lot about it. Now, there is a um, there was a bill to offer help and free medical to those veterans that were exposed to burn pits. A lot of these people were getting very sick getting cancer, and dying. And they had to vote on this in the Senate. Now, the important thing you need to understand about this particular bill, the Senate had already voted on it once. It went back to the House, some slight changes, and then it went back to the Senate. The first time it went to the Senate, it was passed by the Senate. Now, the second time, it was not passed by the Senate. Well, how can that be? They say, well, this is that, this is the other thing. And and the fact of the matter is there really is little, if any, change into what they voted for on this time as opposed to the first one. What they're doing here, and this goes back to how the Republicans only give a shit about themselves, this is the punishment for pulling a fast one on them with the chips bill and the spending bill coming right afterwards. They're mad about that, so now they're saying, well, you you can't have this then. But the problem is it's not really the Democrats that are gaining from this thing. It is, in fact, the veterans who are sick, struggling, and dying. So the Republicans who decided uh, that they didn't care about the veterans— decided to vote against it, Again, besides the fact that they'd already voted for it. That makes, that makes no fucking sense. But it goes back to what I said. It's all about them, all about taking care of them. They don't care about the middle class. They don't care about veterans. You know, it's funny. We hear these patriots always say, we stand with the troops, pray for the troops. But when it comes down to actually doing something for them, 
helping people that were our veterans who are now struggling and dying. When it comes down to helping them now, apparently um, apparently there's nothing in the cupboard. We can't help them. I think this bill will ultimately get passed. It'll have to get passed. The heat that the Republicans are going to get on this deal is just a fucking amazing. And um, the majority of GOP senators voted against advancing the bill, infuriating Democratic sponsors and the veterans who had been pushing for it, who focused their ire on Senator Pat Toomey. He is the guy that kind of blocked everything. And what's interesting about Pat Toomey is that he is retiring after his term in 2022. So what's he got to lose? Fucking nothing. Kirsten Gillibrand, a Democratic senator from New York, came out in front of the people, and I was surprised she did this. But she said, this is total bullshit. (laughs) You don't hear senators talking like that on a uh, platform to the general public. She said that during a press conference in front of the Capitol on Thursday. She said, we had strong bipartisan support for this bill. And at the 11th hour, Senator Toomey decides that he wants to rewrite the bill, change the rules, and tank it. Tom Porter, executive vice president of governmental affairs for the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America, pointed out that some Republicans who voted against the bill are, in fact, veterans. They voted against their best interest. How can fellow veterans turn their backs and stab us in the back like that, Porter said. The Senate voted 55 to 42 to advance the PACT Act, falling short of the 60 votes needed to overcome a filibuster. The upper chamber passed the bill last month by an overwhelming bipartisan vote of 84 to 14. So they already passed it. And then when they had the second run at it, they didn't pass it. And the House passed the bill earlier this month by a vote of 342 to 88. So there's a lot of bipartisan interest in this thing. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who initially voted yes, changed his vote to no and brought a motion to reconsider. He put a no on it, so there's some technical reason for doing that so he can bring it back up. The failed note came on the heels of Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin unveiling a budget reconciliation bill which addresses climate change, health care, and taxes. However, Gillibrand said she didn't think Wednesday's vote was in retaliation for the package. I disagree. What else would it be? In floor speeches on Tuesday and Wednesday, Toomey said he opposed the bill because it moves $400 billion from discretionary spending to mandatory spending, which he called a budgetary, budgetary gimmick. Yeah, it was in the bill in the previous time when he voted for it, dipshit. The Pennsylvania Republican proposed to amend the bill by moving that funding back to discretionary spending, which is subject to annual congressional appropriations. So what he wants to do is what they want to do with Medicare and Social Security. Yeah, you can go ahead and do it, but we're going to put it up for review every year or two or three or whatever. And all that means is when the Republicans have power, they can just shut it down completely. Now, after Wednesday's vote, Toomey said the failed uh, cloture vote allows the upper chamber to amend the bill, adding that it was a pretty easy fix. Once that's done, 
This bill sails through the chamber and goes to the president and gets signed into law. Mr. Toomey, you may be retiring, but you're about to get canceled. You have um, you have um, disappointed and endangered veterans of our armed services. There is no explanation for it. There is no excuse for it. You did what you did for partisan reasons, and you should be taken to task for that. Now, in a floor speech on Thursday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said that Toomey's amendment should have been offered for a vote. Even on legislation, this major and is cost this is major and is costly. The Democratic leader tried to block the Senate from any semblance of a fair amendment process, McConnell said, referring to Toomey's amendment. As written, the legislation will not just help American veterans as designed. It would also allow Democrats to effectively spend the same money twice and enable hundreds of billions in new unrelated spending on the discretionary side of the federal budget, which is kind of a bunch of bullshit. But that's what the Republicans do. It's really troubling to see the games and the bullshit being played to the detriment of the people of this country the veterans of our armed services. It's all about them. And keep in mind, it's not just Republicans. It's mostly Republicans right now, but the Democrats have their hand in this too. So we need to keep a close eye on these fucks and make sure they start doing what they're supposed to be doing and serving us as opposed to serving themselves. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for spending time, taking your time to listen I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Mike.